Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air Yeah And there's screams from everywhere Yeah I'm addicted to the thrill I'm ready It's a dangerous Stop. love affair Come on Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Stop. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who on this town tonight Hello, this is from Black Sports Talk We're in the studio with Alex Francis, Deputy Green We got Alex Francis Corner Second uh, segment of the show, we down and dirty with Deborah, and the third segment, but we got a lot to talk about. We had some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, Alex pulled the plug out, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we got to move fast. We got a uh, college BCS or college BS uh, to talk about. We have a uh, baseball MLB as far as uh, awards, and maybe uh, we we'll talk about Prince Fielder and Albert Pujols a little. Uh, not sure what uh I think Alex wanna argue in Clancy's corner, so we'll talk about that. Down in Dirty with Deborah. We'll figure out what's going on with there. And guys, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh what you guys doing for Thanksgiving outside of eating? Uh yes and. Uh, uh, <laughs> cooking and having my kids over and uh playing a lot of goofy games, making fun of each other and working on my sarcasm. Okay, so <laughs> so you at home being you. That's it. Alex. Northern California, visiting the family. When are you taking out tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow night, yeah. Okay, driving, flying. Flying. Okay. Yeah, it should be nice. And you? Probably the same. I got a lot of things I got to do on Thanksgiving. I'm thinking about, well, tomorrow I got a referee a football game for my uh, kid's school. Mm. I think I've been doing it for like four or five years. Five cool. years, maybe. And this is the last year, thank God. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and we also have, uh, then you know, just at the house eating dinner. I'm a, I don't know. I'm a, I, got a, I got a few things I got to do. I got to make moves. Got to make moves. So I got to be gone. All right, let's talk a little bit about. Let's go right into Major League Baseball okay. right there, because we gonna, I know we're gonna talk football in the second segment. Uh, it's not a whole lot about that, as far as the football is concerned. With the uh, everybody stink, and I think the Patriots are the only good team in the league, and Pittsburgh still is. That's about it. But let's that, go you don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion about that. <laughs> you always have an opinion. <laughs> Major League Baseball: Justin Verlander wins MVP and the Cy Young. Uh, give me your guys' opinion on that. I, I, I have a problem with uh, somewhat of a problem. He is an MVP uh, caliber guy, but over the guys who play every day, what he's played 32 games, and we talked about this off the air uh, all season, and he get pays the big bucks, but he get paid to go in there and do what, he, what he's doing, and and that's how he get those nominations. That's how he get those awards. The MVP and Cy Young, Cy Young, yes, MVP. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this league. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, Batista. There's a lot of guys in this league that play every day and hitting every day. And you can make the argument that uh, he doesn't have to hit, so he goes out there and do what he's doing, eliminate the runs of other team. But then when you got uh, an American League, the pitchers they don't hit. You got a DH. So how you give him the MVP or not mention the guy like David Ortiz 
And it, this is just for argument's sake, Alex. He went 24 and 5, 828 winning percentage. He won 24 of their 95 games pretty much in essence by himself because he was in control. He started 3 and 3, so he ended 21 and 2. In his five losses total, his team scored five runs. One run per game of run support in his losses. Maybe by default because there wasn't somebody like Matt Kemp in the American League, but I, I really think that he should have won it. He was the clear favorite, and they wouldn't have won the division. They wouldn't have got to the playoffs. They wouldn't have gotten where they did without him. So he's not there. Nobody else played a, a huge part. You say 24 wins, and, and, and I think what he did is what he was supposed to do. You you one of the top pitchers, or he wouldn't be. There, there's a lot of guys that say they can pitch, but when you out there and you putting up those numbers, you win 24 to 30. Uh, 30 is tough, but you win 24 games a year. When when all when everyone makes an issue on just win 20 games as a pitcher as a starting pitcher, uh, but you you only you only playing the game one out of every four or five days. Right. So, but you MVP of the league. See, that's the thing. I mean, I'd always look at not only just the statistics, but what's the leadership? You know, who's the guy that's out there all the time that's really, you know, bringing about the leadership on the team? And then also, what are they doing both on and off the field? And look at the whole package and then vote according to that. Yeah, Cy Young is one thing. but And I think once you win the Cy Young, you automatically in that in that conversation about MVPs. And I'm not taking away, this is for argument's sake, I'm not taking away from Justin Verlander. There's not a lot of pitchers has been able to do that, win the Cy Young and then win the MVP. Uh, but I, I just got to look at a lot of guys in the league that play every day. That play every day, contribute to the team just as much as his 24 wins um, when he's out there. Out of 24, how many times he started? Uh, 34. 34, 24, 34. Those, those are great numbers. Yeah, but, I mean, you got to think, like, Jacoby Ellsbury played on one of the best uh, offensive teams in the American League. Their their problem was the pitching. So, yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury had a really good year. You know, about 321, 32 uh, home runs and over 100 RBIs. But pitching wins championships. Talk to uh, the, the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. You know, talk to even Arizona for making the playoffs. It was their pitching that got them there. That's the anchor for any winning team. You wonder why the Yankees don't win every year because it's pitching. It's not always hitting. And he definitely, he was the first one to win it since Roger Clemens in 86. I, I so, I mean, he's definitely, they definitely saw him as the strength of that team and, and the nucleus. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given him the award. If I have a vote, he's, he's Cy Young automatically. If my vote goes into the uh, MVP, I don't think I give it to him. I think in pitching, you do have to have pitching, but you have to have defense, which is what he is, defensive guy. You have to have uh, offense, which those other nine guys on the team, and probably in those nine guys, you probably got six legitimate bats. Uh, you got to be able to put those points on the board. And, and, and for argument's sake, and you can keep, we can keep going about this, that he allows you to win by one point. He allows you to your team to be 2-0 and win, even with a better team on the other side of that because of his pitching. So, you know, he he is the guy. He is MVP for the uh, Detroit Tigers. Uh, but as far as the league, I mean, that's just we can argue about that all day, um, and no one will be right. Another big stat of his is he won 16 of his games after the Detroit Tigers lost the game before, which is huge, which starts, which doesn't start any downward trend. He always keeps them at bay, and they ended up winning a tough division, and it, it was it was difficult, and he was the reason why. That's the main point. The most valuable player on a winning team was him in the American League. Yeah, he's the most. And valuable. that's why he should have won. 
That's why there was no problem with it. I think there's a there's a problem with it. I think. You don't have a vote I, though, so I don't have a vote. I, I, I don't. I got an opinion. Yeah, that's true. It's just like my vote. <laughs> and he, nothing, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm, he is what he's. He is what everyone thinks he is. MVP. He's also a guy who doesn't bet. He plays great defense, and his defense is pitching. You get up the you get up the on the mound. People know this is going to be a long game for us. Uh, if I'm the opposing team, that he has a lot of stuff working for him when he steps on the mound. Twenty four wins out of thirty four wins. Those are like like I said, those are great numbers. And 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 the statistics being what they are, I, I got a problem with baseball stats anyway. I'm up to bat ten times. I, all I do, I just need to hit the ball three times, and I'm gonna get two hundred million dollars. If I'm young enough or I'm still, if I got good defense, a lot of that goes into play. I'm, I got defense. And all I got to do is sit at first base, get the hard line drivers, and wait for somebody to throw me the ball. Well, no, wait a minute. You got to pay attention, too. That's paying attention. Yeah, you got to pay attention in order to get down on the ball. So, I'm, dude, there's a lot to that. Yeah, you just totally play. counteracted your point initially. That's how you play. have to be able to play that's defense play. and hit. Yeah. And you just said defense doesn't, nobody does anything on defense half the time. Who doesn't you just do said that. Play? All you have to do is go down and get the ball at first base. Well, how, you, how, you, how do you explain a race? And, He's and throwing the ball 100 times a game. That's the pitching coach's fault. What? I'm talking about he's, 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 it's his job to prevent runs. He's not. And that's why he's the pitcher's the most important defensive player. The most important position player is a pitcher. He just only pitches every five, four or five days. The most, the most important guy is a guy who can do more than one thing. I'm not taking away from uh, Justin Verlander and his MVP. If I got to vote for an MVP, he's not an MVP in my book. Okay. He's a, he's an MVP of the, the Detroit Tigers. He's a Cy Young in that uh, a national in American League. He's not MVP. I don't care. Twenty-four games. There's other pitchers on that staff that won just as many. That, that won like sixteen, seventeen games. Now, how do you don't? Where they? Where, where do they sit on their team as far as the MVP? He has to allow him to come out every four days or every five days and and, and pitch those games. And another thing is that again, and, and I'm giving him fifteen million dollars, probably a game every time he pitched. The th- other thing is that there really wasn't anybody else that could have won it. There was the sh- the, cle- uh, the clear cut position player favorite. Jose Batista is, uh, is a long ball hitter. He plays pretty good defense. Jacoby Ellsbury plays good defense, steals bases. Uh, he's a solid batter. But there was nobody like Matt Kemp in the American League who would who would have just ran away with it. So that's why it was. So he got it by process of elimination. I guess. Well, Plus, he, well, well, no, no, that's why. Man. No, that's why a pitcher won it. <laughs> that's why a pitcher won it this year because there was no no other clear cut position player favorite. Yeah, no, I don't agree with that. There's, you got uh, you just you just mentioned three two other guys, but in the National League, we think um, neither Kim, of which Mac- made the playoffs either. Those two, neither of them made the playoffs. Yeah, no. Well, they MVP of their team. <laughs> Matt good, Kim. Good luck with that. Yeah, Matt, Matt Kim. Uh, I think the uh, National League comes out. Who won for the uh, the side in the National Clayton League? Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. Uh, another guy who played outstanding. Uh, he was making five hundred thousand dollars this year, just for the record. He's what? He he only made five hundred thousand dollars this year and won the Cy Young. Okay, well now his his numbers are about to go up. Yeah, he's winning the Cy Young. Yeah. Uh, and I talked to a lot of baseball guys. Uh, not I wouldn't say a lot. I talked to enough of them. Uh, that this this baseball right here, there's guys that are getting contracts that didn't even do anything uh, this year. Uh, we can name a few, and I may have some baseball guys call in and talk about that. But Matt Kemp, I think, is the Clear-cut winner Absolutely. in the National League of what he did. He just signed. When you sign a big contract, a lot of things come with that, uh, and an MVP may be one of them. He just signed an eight-year, $160 million. I think it's well-deserved. Um, I think he, he is that guy on a losing team and um, out there in L.A. 
Uh, so who else Who else is a favorite to win this thing? I, I mean, Prince Fielder could. I just, Albert Pujols, it's funny because they didn't do so hot until, you know, the, the end of August when they went on that crazy run and made the playoffs. But what he does in the postseason, which isn't part of the, which isn't part of the, all-star voting because not everybody makes the playoffs. Obviously, he I, he'd be my uh, he'd be my Prince MVP Field? every year. No, Prince. Albert Pujols every year. Albert Pujols every year. Yeah, I, I like Prince Field and what he's and what he's done throughout the years. When he leaves Milwaukee, he'll have a better chance. Like if he goes to Chicago and plays first base for them, he'll have a better chance. He'll have more exposure and he'll he'll be hitting in a ballpark that's the size of a thimble. Well, Prince Field gave the uh, the Brewers an opportunity what about two or three years ago to sign him to an eight-year, hundred and seventy-six million dollars. They can't afford it. Well, they didn't do it. They can't, they probably can't afford it. And that is a smaller market. But look where look who this guy is to that team. Look what he's a la Justin Verlander. Look who he is to this team. Look who he is in this league. Um, so now those numbers have to go up. Yeah, but I he's, think tw- he's 28 years old. Yeah. He's a, he's defense. He's a slugger. He's offense. Definitely offense. Um, and what he does for that team around that team. I think Ryan, Ryan Braun's probably more important to that team than, than uh, Prince Fielder is. <laughs> Ryan Braun is a Ryan Braun's a beast. He is. He look is. at the playoffs against Arizona. He killed him. That one-two punch knocked Arizona. Arizona out of the playoffs last year. That, that wasn't going to be a problem. I don't think that was going to be a problem. He missed those games. They still, they still that team. I thought Milwaukee had a better team. I thought what Arizona did, what Kirk Gibson did for that team was outstanding. We talked about it. He could, he could win coach of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. That wouldn't be, a, that wouldn't be far fetched. But I thought the um, what he did for that team, they were outstanding. These guys were playing at a different level. Now, hopefully the Diamondbacks get the right pieces in place so they can uh, continue their success and even be more better. But the Milwaukee Brewers, I thought, was a better team than the Arizona Diamondbacks. It, it comes down, I mean, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Teams knock each other off. We saw that with the uh, the fall off, with the Braves falling off and allowing a St. Louis Cardinals team to get in the playoffs and do what they did in the, in, in playoffs in the World Series. But I just thought... Uh, Prince Fielder was that dominant of a guy who now can command, just like Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is 31, 32. Prince Fielder is 28. I think he command those same numbers. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Pujols has also won World Series, and Prince Fielder hasn't gotten close. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Pujols definitely had one when he was Prince Fielder's age. Prince, say it again. He had he had a World Series when he was Prince Fielder's age. Yeah, he had a lot of people around him too. Well, you looking at um, what Prince Fielder? He got he has Braun with him. He uh, Prince Fielder. Uh, he has some pieces in place, but you know if it comes down to um, their market, they can't bring certain guys in. You can and St. Louis is not a, that big of a market either. Uh, you that's still, true. And that's Absolutely. why um, you know it, it comes down to when you get in playoffs. I think it's just you know it's the luck of the draw when you get. And we say this uh, in football: just get into the playoffs. Then those good teams knock each other. All you gotta do is win two mm-hmm. games. So nah, I don't know. That's that's baseball. And we'll see if Matt Kent wins that today. The uh, National League MVP. Uh, we talk a little college because we're gonna move fast because we gotta. Since we uh oh break when ready, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, okay, we'll come back and we'll we'll come back and we'll talk college football. We want to talk about the BCS. This is the Kwamla uh, Sports Talk with Alex Clancy and Deborah Debris in the studio. We'll be back in uh. 65 seconds.
Allen is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel hey did you know voice america has partnered with the kids star network to expand their reach through voice america kids voice america kids will feature talk radio for kids by kids along with special event programming and live broadcasts each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back to Formula Sports Talk. We are live here in Tempe, Arizona. We're going to, we're going to talk a little college uh, football, but right now we'll get into Clancy's Corner. Here we go again. At 4-6, and six, the San Diego Chargers are in third place in the second weakest division in the NFL. Since I last brought them up, nothing at all has improved. They made Carson Palmer look like an all-star in the 24-17 loss to Oakland, who's also missing their stud running back run DMC, uh, Darren McFadden. Also, they showed how truly far they are behind the pack of contenders for a Super Bowl when they lost to Chicago this past weekend. They're just playing uninspired, turnover-ridden football. Again, they're 4-6. and six. Their four wins came in the first five games of the season. With those, those teams that they beat had a com- have a combined record of 14-26. and 26. Of those four teams, two are in last place in their respective division, and the other two are Denver and Kansas City. So now they've lost five in a row. They're 2-2 two and two in the division, a division with a quarterback that, who can't throw the ball, an ancient warrior playing as a placeholder in Oakland, and a team with a quarterback who made his first career start yesterday. If they can't win this division, then shame on them. And just like the captains do while walking up for the coin toss at midfield before the start of a game, North Turner and A.J. Smith should lock hands and walk right the hell out of the front door of the Char- San Diego Charger organization and never look back, because it's definitely time for a change. If this season isn't all the front office of the Chargers needs to make the changes necessary, then they're far more ignorant of the true problem than I originally had thought. There are plenty of coaches waiting in the wings that could instantly make the dormant volcano that used to be one of the most explosive teams in the NFL an active one again. Part of me hopes they make a run and make the playoffs. Part of me does. The other part, uh, actually maybe a bigger part, hopes that Tim Tebow wins the division. Why? Why? Why would you possibly ask that? Because nothing would hurt more than having a running back who happens to play quarterback lead a team to the division championship. So I'm I'm upset. I, something's got to happen, and I... I'm livid about it. Know, nothing has yet. I think the uh, I think the AFC at this point is, is weak. Like we talked about the NFC West last year with the uh, Cardinals, St. Louis, uh, San Fran, and San Fran's holding their own this year. Now in the AFC, uh, I think uh, AJ is a problem. I think North Turner is a problem. San Diego Chargers is one of the most disappointing teams uh, this year, along with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now the Chargers started off strong in the past. They was that team that we we would see them at a, a three and six, and then they'll go on a run and get that 
back to a even or six and six. Then they'll go nine and six, and then they'll finish the season eight and eight. Well, not if they go nine and six, but they'll finish the season strong. They, they'll never. They're never that team that starts strong. Now we thought it, with some hope these these guys started three and zero. They went out there and faced New England, so they lose that game. They three and one, but they were playing good football. They sitting here in four and six. Again, the AFC is West, but they got an easy schedule coming up now. And I think, this, and I say easy because they got Denver next on November twenty seventh. Tim Tebow, the way he's been playing, um, you know what? He's not a quarterback, but what is the typical quarterback? to be is it should every quarterback look like Tom Brady it was a problem when Michael Vick came in because he didn't look like Tom Brady Peyton Manning it was a problem when Donovan came in because now everybody wants to conform the quarterback to their image and that may be so if you own if you own a team or if you if you got a, a lot of stock into the uh, scouting or the draft you can you can do those things but uh, Josh McDaniel was the guy that brought Tim Tebow in and tried to make him a quarterback. They they went on a quarterback search. They have two guys over there now sitting on the bench that I think are better throwing mechanics. But Tim Tebow, why he's the quarterback for the Denver Broncos is because his passion for the game. I'm not saying these other guys are slouches and they don't want to win, but he's a winner. Tebow know how he knows how to win. He doesn't really know how to lose. And you know, for lack of better words, he knows how to win, and the guys respond to him. He talks all the time about his receivers uh, not not being selfish. They know he's going to run the ball. They know he can't throw, so they get the ball when they get the ball. Now, they, after that, the San Diego Chargers have Jacksonville. That's two wins. I think they should be able to pull it off. But Phillip Rivers is having too many fourth-quarter problems. He's not getting the ball. He's not winning the games in the fourth quarter. I was at two weeks ago. I was at the uh, San Diego-Oakland game, and I just – Looked at Philip Rivers, it always looked like he was pressing. I thought that was a game they can win. Now, he tried to come back, but then he throws an interception in the fourth quarter again for these guys to lose. Now, we can talk about no Sean Phillips. We can talk about a, and I won't say an aging, I'll say an injured uh, Antonio Gates. Floyd was out. Uh, Darren Sproles is gone. I, I don't think um, the running back they have there now. Ryan Matthews? Ryan Matthews is, um, I don't see anything special from him. I watch them have a few games, but there's nothing special. They, if I can get a running back in the draft, I'm getting a running back in the draft. Well, one of the things I get tired of hearing is that the um, comments by coaches, comments by players, is we're better than that. Well, if you were better than that, you'd be getting, you know, you'd, you'd have a better record. You know, you're really not better than that. And, you know, where does that lie? Well, you know, it, it, if you go back to the root cause, you know, you've got a team that's made up of coaches, players, and owners. You know, and if those guys can't get their act together to play, to work as a team and get their, uh, not only their mechanics together, their emotions together, their their morals together to be able to pull it together and have the passion in order to win, then they're not any better than that. And it goes back to personal responsibility in each one of those areas. Players are getting paid heavy money in order to be able to play at their competitive best. They're not doing their job. Coaches aren't doing their job. The owners are dissing on everybody else. And then you wonder why these guys can't get it together and play on Sunday. I think these guys uh, figured out that football is a business now. So that's why we see the lack of effort out there. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of passion in football these days. 
the the teams are winning. Are, they are the good teams. They are the more veteran team, season teams. I just don't see the passion out there. So I see more guys holding out than playing football well, at a high level. And I agree with you. When I talk to some of the younger players, or you look at the younger players and watch the interviews, it's all about the money. Where's the bucks? You know, you give me the bucks, then I'll show up for the meetings, then I'll actually play at my competitive best. When I talk to the veterans, the veterans are going through. Yeah, I was there at one time, and now I know better. Now I know that this is my job, and I'm going to show up and do my job the way I'm supposed to. Yeah, if, if you if you come into the league, I, I came in on some veteran guys, some good guys. If you win games, then everybody wins. Then you you you're part of a team, and other other teams are looking at you. Other coaches are looking at you, saying, "Well, they were winning over there at this team. Uh, so let's see if this guy, he's up, he's a free agent." see if he can help us win. Maybe he's a piece of the puzzle that, that we're missing. Um, but with these guys with these guys holding out, I think you should honor your contract. But I think that honoring your contract should work both ways. If you don't like the contract and the back end of it, don't sign it. Right. If, if, uh, if you sign the contract, play it through. I don't think the owners, now the owners are uh, a huge mess in this uh, problem also. The, you can't cut me uh, or do whatever. I signed a contract to play for your team. You can't release me or turn my contract because you feel like I'm not playing up to a billion. Well, I got that contract for what I did and what I'm about to do. Right. So uh, well, I think the you, contract should work on both ends of the... Yeah, and I totally agree because you always negotiate a contract when everybody's friendly. You yeah. get all the terms in there when everybody's friendly to cover all the potential possibilities that could come up, and then you just do what you got to do according to your contract. Right. You see those teams winning. You see at the end of the season, you see a lot of guys being re-signed, a lot of restructuring and, and all that. But the teams is losing. You wonder why... Why they haven't signed this guy back yet? He was a bright spot of the team, but why you haven't re-signed him? Why you got to wait until the um, until the eleventh hour? Yeah, eleventh yeah. hour the free agent market ends. But you know, to answer well, to add a little bit more to Clancy's corner, the ownership, the management, like A.J. Smith, he has been a problem there for a while. His stubbornness, which uh, you, in some aspects, you have to be. The player has to be. Uh, but they want the same thing. It's just a matter of uh, how they gonna get it, when they gonna get it. It's always a year or two that's, well, that's missing. And that's it. the thing going into any type of negotiations. I don't care if it was the NFL or now we've got the NBA or we've got you know down to a team level. Is if you guys can, if you you guys meaning the guys say the 49ers can decide. You know this is the um, the end result we're both looking to achieve. Now what's it gonna take to get there? What do you need? What do I need? Where do we co- where am I willing to compromise and where am I not gonna give in? At all, and then get it done and move on. Yeah, but uh, you got to think in football. I mean, you can attest to this probably. The owners don't want to pay you if you if you get hurt, and the players want to get money before they get hurt. If in fact they do get hurt, if you blow out your knee, you could be done for the rest of your life, and you have no income. So there's a problem there. That's like that's like the center ground where there's it's like the no fly zone. No, neither neither the sides are going to understand where the other player where the other person is coming from. I mean, doesn't that have a lot to do with football negotiations? It, it does, and the owners, um, it has something to do with it. But the owners, these are the guys, this is a business to, the, to, the, right. to these guys. Right. So they've never played football. They bring guys in out of college who's an accountant who's never been in the locker room, mm. and all they, do is, all they do is the numbers. They never talk to the guy and find out what his heart is, where his mm-hmm. heart is, where his passion is, how the, the team in the locker room responds around him. It's all about the numbers. It's, about, it's all about uh, the business with these guys. And the players, rightfully so, you're going to get hurt in football. You're going to get hurt regardless of how long you're playing. I've seen some guys come in, uh, first year they're gone, and you're like, this guy's mm-hmm. good. So now you're seeing a lot of this stuff as far as uh, a lot of players saying, I'm holding out. Chris Johnson over in mm-hmm. Tennessee, 
rightfully so he should have held out. I think he should have held out, but he had another year on his contract, and I think they extended a little bit or gave him a little bit more the year, the prior year and previous year. Right. Uh, but for what he did for the past three years or since he's been in the league, I think he deserved a better contract. I think Matt Forte and the Chicago Bears deserve a better contract. What these guys are doing for their team, because the owners at any time can cut this up. Yeah, but no yeah. matter how much you disagree with me, because we've talked about this before, Chris Johnson screwed this up for every other stud running back, stud player now because of what he's done over the past, for first whatever nine weeks. Cause he had a, he had a huge game uh, two weeks ago, and he had, a, he had a Chris Johnson performance. That's why Matt Forte hasn't gotten paid. And I don't think Chris Johnson was the guy who did that. You, you can look at a guy. But yeah. look at all the other owners that are looking at what poor Tennessee did. They gave this guy all this money, and he hasn't shown up for anything because he got paid. He's paid now. So now it shows if he really wants to play football or if he wants to go on vacation his whole life. If um if he if they didn't have the money to give or he wasn't that caliber running back, there's no way I'm as a businessman I'm gonna give you that money. Emmitt Smith held out because they paid uh Troy Aikman. Now it could have started with Emmitt Smith. But Emmitt Smith, you know, he that goes back uh, to the quality of your player too. You take somebody like Emmett Smith, man, he was all heart. You know, he yeah. was gonna play because playing is what he did. Chris Johnson yeah, and big old line too that made him look yeah. good. Chris Johnson is is a premier running back. He is that guy. Chris Johnson didn't go through any camps. Chris Johnson that didn't have a nucleus with that team. Now, look at their head coach who was the offensive line coach last year. The running game has changed. The running game has changed a lot. So I wouldn't put a lot of uh their running game missing because those guys are playing pretty good without Chris Johnson. But when you give him that contract, uh, now you have to feature him, yep. and he hasn't been doing the camp. I wouldn't say he's a problem with the holdout. No, it's, it's I, a, it, it can go back to a lot of guys that's held out, um, and 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 then the owners see that. It's, it's, it's a track record of a lot of this stuff. That the owners see that. Well, I'm not gonna pay you for the reason you mentioned. You may get hurt, or the owner, the player, want his money because. If I get hurt, right, I need some compensation. And I would, I, I would pay, uh, I would pay Matt Forte because he's would, kept his mouth shut, oh, yeah. and just produced somewhat. But you know, he's he's he's, uh, he's doing a lot of rhetoric talking. But he's uh, top five in the. Yeah, I, I understand, but I mean, yeah. he's not like no, crossing oh, no. his arms yeah, yeah. saying I'm not going to yeah. play. And and then they're going to even they're going to need him even more with the uh, with Cutler with Cutler going. That kid, that kid could be pretty good. But though. you know who should, they should go get is that Mike Marsh is the offensive coordinator. Go get Mark Bolger. Go get that guy who knows the offense well. We're gonna take a break. We got Kenya Simone on hold. Uh, hopefully, she can join us in the next segment. We're gonna get next segment. We're gonna get down and dirty with Deborah. Formula Sports Talk. Alex Clancy and Deborah Debris. Flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern 
right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with Kay Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. <laughs> Welcome back to the Club Live Sports Talk. We got we're gonna go down dirty, dirty with Deborah before she leaves. She was talking about holding out. We got Ken <laughs> Simone uh, from calling from WGCI in Chicago. Shout out. Welcome to the show, Ken and Alex Thank Clancy are in the studio as well. Let's go down and dirty. All right. So this week I want to talk about Thanksgiving. And I mean giving thanks. Now, the one thing that I want you to understand is that as an elite athlete, this is one of the greatest tools that you can use is knowing and understanding how to give thanks. It's a way of actually, the, you know, the science of it is looking at how you're going to train your mind, how you're going to train your brain so that you can use giving thanks for the performance that you just gave moment by moment is actually going to retrain your brain for greater success so that you can be at your competitive best. There's three aspects of this. One of them is you may have heard me talk about it before that emotions are the glue to memory so when you take you know thanks and appreciation and a celebration then it sets in your memory so that you can repeat it the second aspect is the mind loves details so when we say good job <laughs> that really doesn't mean anything you've got to get exact and specific as to what it was that you just did that was really great the third aspect of this is the mind really wants to please it loves to be able to get appreciated, to get respected, and it will outperform the next time when you give it that thanks and the appreciation. So let's get down to the raw and real as to how you might use this. So some examples of any sport in any position. Let's take a guy in football that's playing defense, and he just finished a play, and typically, you know, you might see guys jumping up and down, you know, slapping hands, hitting helmets, whatever, and um, that's it. What they could really do is take that to the next level and tell themselves, you know, how great they were. They anticipated the snap. They got their knees high. They took down that fill-in-the-blank player on the other side, and they really followed through on the ball. You take it in coaching when you're coaching kids. And Kwame, I know you coach your son. And, you know, I talked to Seth Joyner a couple weeks ago about him, you know, coaching his son. You can ask your kids questions when you're coaching them about what did you just do that you really liked? What are you really proud of? How great was that? Let them get really specific and then celebrate that with them again so it locks into their mind. The third thing I want to talk about is what I'm going to be doing on Thursday at Thanksgiving with my kids and you can do with your family. We stand around the table, hold hands with all this mass amount of food in front of us and we look and we each one say something separately as to what specifically and exactly we're thankful for. So the bottom line is if you want to play at a higher level, get more consistent and be at your competitive best, be thankful, celebrate, and be exact and specific with it when you do, and it starts to retrain your brain to want more and more of that, and you start playing even better. I, I want to touch on that. I uh, like that. Yeah, that's is always good. Uh, I want to touch on uh, the mind wants to please. Now, I watch, I watch uh, football today, and I'm thinking about these guys are killing each other. I, I don't know how they, they – I don't know how I played it. Uh, with that type of physicalness that they going out there with, uh, but I look at this stuff, they are killing each other, and I and I go and when you say the mind wants to please, I think they train. I believe we trained our mind uh, to never 
stay hurt till the end of the week. You, when you was hurt, you had to be out there and you wanted to play, so you had to be back out on the field. Uh, and then guys don't feel they don't feel injuries until they retired or until they're done playing, unless it's something major. But I, I, when when you were saying that, that was one of the first things that came to come to mind. That I don't know how these guys or how I was able to do that because well, you we was taught. There, there was no pain unless you you oh, pain injured. Is, pain is optional. Yeah, you injured or hurt. You can't be hurt. You can't be. There should be not. There shouldn't be anything to keep you out of next week's game. I've got a player right now who's a seven, eight-year veteran that I'm working with in the NFL, and he's got a knee problem right now. He's going through a little bit of therapy, and they gave him some pills and whatever, but he says it still hurts. I invested maybe five minutes with him on the phone the other night. Did some some um, what I call imagination to have an imagine imagine what it was like now that he was playing at his competitive best. How his knee felt. Ran that energy through his body. Gave it a color because green is a very healing color and they so for some of you this may sound a little woo woo i got news for you the science backs it up mm. it, after about three to money. five at about three to five minutes i asked him i said how's your knee feel right now he's like holy crap he said this feels it's really really good so i sent him a recording because i turned around and recorded myself doing the similar type of exercise form sent it to him i said you listen to this every freaking day and your knee will respond to what you tell it to do do you record uh, all the guys you talk to and give it back to them so they have a, a feedback? When, um, if they or, want, most of them won't listen to it because if I give them a full session, they don't want that. Right. You know, because they don't. Gonna, they, it's good enough to get them on the phone for a few minutes, um, much less you know for an entire session. But I do record what I call strategic imagination in my brain training sessions, and those they I make specific and exact to them as the individual and to the sport and to the position that they play. So a defensive guy, if he's a linebacker, is going to be different than if I'm working with a wide receiver or if I'm working with you know any other position or my golfers yeah. so it's specific to them and it's using their terminology and their words and feeding it back to them in a way that it's more meaningful for them do you think that yes, that I like what you said about giving thanks like standing around um, your table and giving thanks as a family we do something very similar here in Chicago and it's so important even from the youngest of the young to the oldest matriarch and patriarch of the family you know, everybody has something different to give thanks for and to be thankful for. So I really, really like that. And it's and surprising what they... Economic times, there is something. Everybody has something they can be thankful for. Like, I may not be thankful for the Bears making it to the playoffs <laughs> now that Jay is out. <laughs> but I can Keep be thankful the hope. for a good, fun season so far. <laughs> There's some optionals for the Bears. Mm-hmm. They got well, possibilities. So. Yeah, they got, they got a good running game and... Uh, you crazy they, if you think Mark Bolger is going to be the answer there. I think Mark Bolger, well, he's been sitting out for a while, just like Palmer was for the uh, mm-hmm. for the Raiders. But look at Palmer now. I mean, you, if you've been a good quarterback mm-hmm. mentally, you can come back. You can train your mind to get back into that. Well, into that. one of the things I look at too, and I look at these quarterbacks that are coming up. We're going down to second and third, you know, in the line. Mm-hmm. Look at the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Those guys could have been preparing their second, their third string in any position, mentally and emotionally. So when their number's called, man, they're ready to jump and they're ready to perform at their highest level rather than well you know this is their first time and and, and, I, right. blame, and I blame a lot of that on the coaches too because you during the week they say it's not enough time in the week you get the um the first team got a lot of reps more of the reps but you, you got to prepare for the what if like the Cardinals for example that uh John Skelton had to come and play and he played well okay he goes up to a, a team that's playing outstandingly in San Francisco uh and they lose the game 
But mm-hmm. it's the quarterback fault because I'm tired of hearing the um, we still a work in progress. I'm, I'm tired yeah, of hearing I, about the camp. Everybody had the same camp. That's why I say the veteran teams, the yeah. more seasoned teams, are winning uh, football games now. But it too, it's too many excuses coming from the camp, co- coaches right. and not enough blame to the coaches because Skelton, he is good. I thought he would be an answer if he had more reps. I didn't think you had to bring in a But cop. here's the thing. He could have the reps without ever going on the field. That's yeah. the thing that's interesting is that the mind doesn't know the difference between real or imagined, which is why I use, you know, work with the guys over the phone, over Skype, if they're overseas or whatever, send them the recordings. And I tell them, you know, use this because once your brain knows and understands, because you can run the, you know, the play perfectly in your mind, once it knows and understands what you want it to do, then the opportunity for you to do it on the field instinctually rather than have to think about it is so much greater. Do you think that it has to do, you said, like on the, for on the field stuff with the, the Thanksgiving, like telling people they're doing a good job and whatnot, do you think that that is one of the major foundations of leadership? Like telling I mean, them no. What, positive, positive influence? Telling, telling them. Specific details. Well, telling them helps. The problem is with telling people is I could walk up to you and say, you know what, you're really great. And you could be thinking yourself, yeah, well, not so much. No, but I, I mean, explaining. Like if a quarterback it's, came up to a defensive end and said, nice tackle, this is what, like, I mean, because there's always a pretty much a designated leader on a team, on right. good teams. So, yes, to answer your question, if they do it specifically and exactly what they did right, that's absolutely going to help. The next level beyond that, which goes to the greatness, is to do it with that emotion. Now, the emotion is not let's go hold hands and sing We Are the World. Mm-hmm. The emotions <laughs> is actually celebrating it with them, slapping heads, the whole, you know, you know, pad bumping and all that kind of stuff. I am all for that because that's bringing in that heavy emotion, but do it specifically. I think it worked both ways because when I'm playing against uh, people, I don't, I don't say good tackle or, or do any of that or good play because uh, all that does is build your confidence up. I, when I'm golfing against people, I don't say good shot. You were supposed to hit that right, good right. shot. You know, I expect you to hit that shot. I'm not going to say good shot or I'm not going to say good tackle or any of that stuff. Right. It, and I don't expect you to say it to me. I expect to make that play. You talk about the mental, get taking reps. I've seen every play I made in football before I even made the, uh, made the play. Right. And, and, and I, this is the thing. It's, it's the best coaches yourself because you know exactly what's going to feed you. So most of what I'm talking about is how do you mentally and emotionally feed yourself specifically and exactly what are you thankful for on that particular play. Somebody else says it. It may have some benefit, but the more you feed yourself, the better you're going to play. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's like emotions in sports is looked at so many different ways because, like, let's take T.O., for example, when he was crying, like, that's my quarterback. You know, he got teased around the world for that, but he was just showing emotions. And he got cut. He's a, a whack later. job. <laughs> he got released. He got released two weeks later. I thought he was that team that loved him. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, it is emotional. Football is an emotional game, and I tell everybody, I tell a lot of people this. Uh, the football exposes everything about you. That's it, right. It's, it's emotional. If you're an emotional person, then we'll see a guy like T.O. crying when everyone says there's no crying or you can't, you got to be tough. You don't have to be okay. tough in football. Uh, you you got to be smart. You want a cleansing? Go play a sport like football because it'll cleanse every emotion out of you that right. it can if possibly you, cleanse. If, if, you're, if you're a coward, it shows you a coward. That's if you're, right. if you're one of those guys that's trying to hide or not getting reps, it shows that, and that's why you bounce from team to team. Yeah. If, you, if you're tough, football shows that you are tough. Plus, 
knows Tio. Everybody knows Tio never cared about anybody but himself his entire life. Until, yeah. until later in his mm-hmm. career when he needed the NFL, when he was in his prime, everybody think they're oh they're Superman, they can't get hurt, and there is the tomorrow. But later in his career, he's looking for a team right and now, and he's sitting watching football exactly right. where I am yeah. on Sundays. Right. And most right. most of the problem occurs is not how the guys act on the on the field with their emotions. Some of it shows up there, and obviously there's a lot that can be done. The biggest problem is when they leave the field. And when they're on that drive home or that plane ride home or they're at home and they have to deal with their own emotions at that point in time and they know their own weaknesses and they don't, they don't address them in a way that they can address it once you name it and you can do something about it and turn it into a strength or get rid of it, one of the two. But whatever your strengths are, leverage them. If it's a weakness, we get rid of it so that you can play at your competitive best and be emotionally strong on game day. That's right. If you leave it out on field, we're going to take a break, but if you leave it out all on the field, you can look at yourself to next day or in the film room when you go to the team and feel like I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but there are some corrections that could be made, but mm-hmm. you, where you're playing full speed and you're playing hard on every play, you're going to make mistakes, but you're going you're gonna to give right. yourself a chance. We go to those percentages again. Yeah, yeah, you, go, yeah. You, you give yourself, yourself a chance it playing hard. Yeah. Hey, this is Quamalot Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, Double Debris. We got uh, Kenya Simone, WGCI in Chicago. Uh, we'll be back. we got a small segment. Let's get into some um, BS, college BS. <laughs> And uh, we'll finish, we finish up the show. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. That's really not my sexy music, but I'll come back to it. Hey, welcome back to the Quantum Life Sports Talk. Hey, we want to say congratulations to Kenya Simone for your anniversary being with the radio station, WGCI. Congratulations, Kenya. Ooh, way to go, girl. Woo! Four years, long time being one place. That could be... <laughs> That could Especially be a in radio. Y'all know that. <laughs> that could be a career. You making a career? That's the difference in career and a job. That's right. Okay. That's what I'm hoping to do. Okay. Well, good luck. You know, if you need us to come over there and do be some get be a guest or two, maybe three. You know, you can call. As long us. as it's in the summer or the spring, right? You no, know, we not. We can do Probably it with phone. Emotional when it comes to the winter. I don't. I don't do phone. <laughs> but as they're on both hands. <laughs> There's two fingers that don't get blood to them, so I can't be in the cold weather. So uh, my fingers will freeze and fall off. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk a little college football because we got about five minutes left. 
<laughs> College BCS. Now, I, I do want to talk about uh, the BCS is a joke because we, we, we played a lot of scenarios in our head, and I, and I was just, it was unfortunate that Boise State lost because there's been incidents where the BCS was all shook up, but they found ways and made excuses to put the teams they want at one and two so they can play. And obviously, it goes back to money. But LSU and Alabama played earlier this year, and the 9 6 overtime LSU wins this game. Now, they got the SEC. There's a huge game coming up this week. Alabama plays Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU plays Arkansas. Arkansas is a tough team. They have their running back back. Uh, they have uh, their passing game. But I think to beat to to beat the uh, LSU Tigers, you're going to have to run the football. It's not going to be a lot of things you're going to do in pass, and, and they do have a running game. But who wants And then you have December 3rd, which is a special day. Uh, you have the SEC title game. Now, these teams can get knocked off, and if Boise was still in the picture, I wonder what they would have done to put those in there. Now, you got LSU, Alabama, Arkansas. You have Alabama and Arkansas in the same Southeast Conference. So I don't, I don't know how fair, or that's why they say the SEC is the toughest, and I, I think they are tough. Yeah, it, it, they're, they're the toughest conference in, in collegiate sports today, but they knock each other off, and some of these teams get to the – they get to the championship game with a nine and two record. LSU did it three years ago uh, with a nine and two record, and, and then they win. Um, but then you got Oklahoma State who lost to Iowa State. You have uh, Virginia Tech sitting at five. Uh, but there's a lot of teams that come and play right this, but a whole lot of other stuff has to happen. And it's all. And I think it boils down to what happens in the SEC. Uh, and yeah, and that's the age-old debate when it comes to college football. The way that they have it structured, are these teams really the best teams or could somebody else take them out? So unless they do some restructuring, it's always going to be debatable. Well, I think it, it also, and I'll let Alex go, um, there, there should be a playoff. And, and, and this is by, by playoff, I mean, okay, LSU and Alabama, they, they play again uh, for the SEC. They, or Arkansas and LSU or Arkansas and Alabama plays in SEC championship game, okay, then now you SEC champions. That's fine. Now those teams that win their conference championship or those teams that have a, a, a decent enough record, I don't know if you go to a 16-team playoff, but this one, everybody has a chance. So, okay, you was number one all year. You lost late. Now you can't play for the championship, which LSU, that, this could possibly happen losing if they lose to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You, you number one all year. You lose. Your, you lose in the tenth game, eleventh game of the season. You can't play for the um, championship game. So now you get to play in the uh, playoffs with a chance to still win the national championship. I think that's fair, as opposed to just saying you've been number one. You lost. Now you can't play, but you've been a better team all year. Yeah. Um. I told you. You told me never to correct you on the air again. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, LSU, Alabama, and Arkansas are all in the SEC West. The SEC West? All three of them. Yeah. So only one of them is going to play in the championship game. But is that fair, though? They're all of them sitting right there no. and, and playing the, each other. And this, this begs, this last weekend, has I'm surprised one of the BCS people hasn't shot themselves in the head. Because No, seriously, because what are you going to do? The top three teams <laughs> in the country <laughs> are in the same conference, let alone the same division right. of the same conference. And yeah. granted, the SEC would probably be the one that people would guess that it would come from if it were to happen. Because Georgia, because I mean, right, Georgia will probably win win the East. They won the East. They right. won the East, uh-huh. and and they will come in and play. They might beat because they're they're on a tear. They might beat one of these teams. So say say Arkansas beats LSU, and then Alabama loses to Georgia. Everybody's right. going to have losses. All the top three teams. Oklahoma State should be ranked. They should be out of the top twenty-five right now. Why I don't know why they only dropped to number four. 
They dropped to number four by default because everybody else lost below them. Uh, uh, Stanford, Stanford should be ahead of them. Virginia Tech has just crept up from the ACC. They haven't played a really important game all year besides against Clemson where they lost. So I don't even know why they're top five. I, think I want Stanford to play LSU. That's my point. Because okay. I want Stanford to play LSU in the championship. I don't think so. That would be a great game. I don't think so. Well, you've got to give the Pac-10 a chance against against the big boys. Like last year, where it was anybody could have won that game, Auburn and Oregon last year. I don't have to get a Pac-10 chance because you have to win your games to get a or chance. Pac-12, sorry. Oh, oh yeah, I, you have to win your games to get that situation. If if Stanford was that good, they shouldn't have lost to Oregon. If Stanford was that good, they shouldn't. Have, who, who else? They, they lost one more game. No, that was it. Stanford is nine and one. Uh, ten and ten, one. Ten and one. Yeah. They lost to Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- yeah. That's true. They they shouldn't have lost to Oregon. Then they'd be playing for a national championship uh, between LSU, Alabama, possibly Arkansas, and then we'll see. If that conference is that good, and I think Andrew Luck is good enough to do it, but then he, they don't have enough skill guys on their offense. Look what they Oregon, got a great running back. Look what Oregon, what great running back? They have a great running back. You scared the name out of me right now. But. Yeah. Well, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> look what? Remember. Look what Oregon did, did to these guys. Oregon because they had a lot of skills guys, but then they turn around and lose to USC. USC, if they wasn't on probation, would be Top representing. 10. They'd be representing the Pac-10 or mm-hmm. Pac-12, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Now, I think Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State, a team that's in their conference. Yeah. Uh, and it's tough when you get into the conference that, you know, these teams can be 0-10, but they're going to play a tough game, which you possibly could win. We saw what Texas Tech did to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and Oklahoma was the top three teams. And then teams. Texas Tech got shellacked the, yeah. next, the next two weeks. And then Georgia plays Georgia Tech, so who knows what happened. Georgia's already represented uh, 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 Southeast. Why couldn't Boise State make the field goal? Boys State no. always misses field goals. God, this Look at all the field goals that have made a uh, difference exactly. in these games. Yeah, yeah. 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 Alabama would be number one and undefeated right now if their kicker could kick. <laughs> yeah, because it wouldn't win in overtime and they would have won. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's they have to do something about this bowl situation as far as the, uh, the playoffs. I, I don't mind these guys in LSU, I mean, LS, uh, SEC, saying this is the toughest conference because I think it is. I think they beat each other up. Well, then what do you do? Do you take the winner of each conference and play them top four of the top four conferences and play each other? Because then you have the Pac-12 who might have somebody, you have the best three teams in the SEC. How do you determine who's in the playoffs? I think that's why they're doing this super conference. They're trying to uh, shift everybody to, so you got... 15 teams, well, 16 teams in, in a conference. It may be like four super conferences, mm-hmm. and then everybody else is like a Division One AA school, uh, situation. But So they could have a playoff, so they can take the top two teams out of those conferences and have a playoff. Right. But that leaves that leaves Boise State out unless Boise State gets into a conference. And Boise State talking about going to the um, – Going out east with Rutgers, the Big East. Uh-huh. Uh, but that, look well, it's not going to matter now because Kellen Moore is gone and Titus Young is gone. They're not going to be good. Right. Houston's going to be the new Boise State uh, in the well, Conference USA. Well, and Houston is eleven and zero, and they, they will they rank ten. It, it's the same thing yeah. as three years ago yeah. with Boise State. There's no way they're going to get anywhere close. Yeah, and and Boise State lost, and they still ahead of Houston, and Houston's undefeated. It's yeah. just uh, you have to right. get in the conference. But they're in the Conference USA. They make. Right. They make the big tour, or the Mountain West that Boise State's in look like a super conference. Yeah, I know. We we need uh we may have to go to uh two hours. We may have to go to two hours. I don't know. John, there's not a lot of time. Uh, John been hooking it up. We oh, yeah. he's been mentioning it, <laughs> but we may have to go two hours or every other day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 
Hey, hey, we gonna we run out. Of, <laughs> that, I mean, we could we could talk about the BCS all day long. Probably they would make that a whole hour show, but and then still have something new to say about it. Uh, we only have like thirty seconds left though, but so we're gonna get out of here. I guess I'm gonna go to the golf course. Uh, appreciate you guys, Clancy. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is Kwame Sports Talk. We appreciate you joining the show. Uh, check us out. Check the fan page out. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time on Real Sports America Sports Network. Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.